The Super Hits Podcast goes into the 70s for the first time as our friend Barry comes on board and talks about Bob Seger's night moves. Let's do it. Hey everybody, we are going to be heading into the 70s for the first time on the Super Hits Podcast, talking about some Bob Seger and uh, taking the lead on this one. Uh, Barry has returned. Barry, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Uh, why did you decide to go with Night Moves by Bob Seger before we get into all of the, the details? Okay, so a buddy of mine and uh, uh, this song, for whatever reason, I guess when, when Bob Seger put out his greatest hits in 94, became uh, got a lot of airplay locally. And a friend of mine at the time, we used to always, every time we heard the song, we started laughing. We started talking about the night moves and the girls that were dating at the time, we would ask them, about, oh, did you get the night moves and all this kind of stuff? And <laughs> end up becoming a uh, uh, a term for us anytime we'd uh, get any action, which he was much more successful than me, I, I might want to add. So Wow, that's but, like the uh, version of my uh, my Twitter handle, Slip. Like, instead of saying, <laughs> did you get the night moves, it was, did you get any slip action? So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right. no, this song, this song did get a lot of play, and and my friend and I really enjoyed it, and we always used to laugh about it, and talk about uh, the night moves. So, basically, there was actually we were talking about it so much, we actually drove to Carboneer, which is twenty minutes from where we lived. So I bought this uh, greatest hits on tape so that we could listen to it whenever we wanted, instead of having to wait to listen to it on the radio. Wow, that's very wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Back well, in the days, and that's what I had to do. Uh, let's get into uh, some background on this one. Over to you. Yep. So uh, Bob Seeger uh, was born in Detroit, Michigan on May the 6th, 1945. Uh, he took an interest in music at a very young age, and his first foray was a high school band called The Decibels. They cut a, de- a demo tape, and the song was called The Lonely One, and it was actually played at a local radio station in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where he grew up. So I, I think if you're a-, a-, a garage band in high school and you actually get played on the radio, that's probably a pretty big deal. Back in those days, for sure, yeah. Yeah, so back in those days, the only way to get on the radio was if you you paid off the DJ some payola, so I don't uh-huh. know if they had to do that. <laughs> but uh, eventually, as most high school bands do, they end up disbanded, and he formed another group. I don't know what the statistics are, but there can't be too many high school bands that stayed together and made it right to the end. I'm sure there's examples. I didn't look any up, but I don't know if you know any off the top of your head. I, I don't off the top of my head. No. If you know, but, by yeah. the way, hit us up at uh, superhitspodcast at gmail.com and let us know. Yeah, exactly. Um, he uh, So we started a new band. It's called the Town Criers. Uh, they were a cover band. Uh, began to gather a bit of a following. And one of their gigs, the Bob Seger met another man by the name of Doug Brown. Uh, he was the front man of another more popular uh, cover band called Doug and the Omens. Not Doug and the Slugs, unfortunately. No. <laughs> <laughs> Making it work. <laughs> and, they played, and they played the Bobcat Prowl. Um, Seger uh, joined up with this group. And uh, although Doug was the uh, lead singer, Seger did get to do uh, lead vocals on a couple of tracks. Uh, while a member of the Omens, he met his longtime manager, Edward Punch Andrews. Awesome handle. Mm-hmm. Seeger began writing and producing for other acts managed by Punch. Uh, one of them was a song called East Side Story for a band called The Underdogs. Uh, it wasn't a success for them, but he really liked the song, so he decided to record it himself. He left the Omens and formed another band called Bob Seeger and The Last Herd. Uh, the song became a hit in the Detroit market, and he actually uh, printed a, uh, a copy of it and it sold 50,000 copies. Uh, that led to a record deal with Cameo Parkway Records, which, you know, is a, a powerhouse in the industry, because I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, One of my favorites. <laughs> One of your favorites, <laughs> is right. Uh, unfortunately, it went out of business, but uh, in 1968, he did land a record deal with a much bigger label, Capitol Records. Um, 
The name of the band was changed to Bob's, the Bob Seger System, and he had first national hit with Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. Made it all the way to number 17 on the Billboard charts. So uh, probably about... So I'm not a big Bob Seger fan. Uh, okay. You know, like I knew all-time rock and roll and like a rock and um, night moves, you know, but but nothing deep into his catalog. And about 10 years ago, I was in Los Angeles at uh, Burger Records, which uh, was a great record store and a great record label that had to close down because, uh, let's just say they got rightfully Me Too'd. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, but when we were in the store, there is this fucking fantastic music playing, like kind of like psychedelic sounding. And okay. I was like, what is this? And they were like, it's Bob Seger. I was really? like, are you kidding? Like, this is Bob Seger? It was Ramblin' Gamblin', man. The album, if you can find it, it is awesome. Is that right? Yeah. No, like, I like Seger. I like the hits, right? I don't know his his, his uh, underground stuff or any of these mm -hmm. stuff with the omens or any of that kind of stuff. I didn't know much about the past. But I think, you know, his big hits are great songs. And that's, you know, I mean, my... Uh, my my Bob Seger knowledge expanded to those hits and Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. Like, I still don't know anything else about Bob Seger. But if, yeah, it, if, if I ever come across it, which I'm sure I won't, because usually albums like that are very expensive. But if I do come across it, I'll certainly pick it up. All right. Uh, the, Bob Seger, the Bob Seger system did a few other projects, but nothing repeated success of Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. That blew slip away. Um, so they split up. Uh, he went solo for a few years with moderate success. And in 1974, formed the band, which he would become most famous for. The Silver Bullet Band. So they released an album called Seven in seven, 1974 and Beautiful Loser in 75. Uh, both had modest success. And they also released a live album called Live Bullet 1976 in April. Uh, it was recorded in the Detroit's Cabo Arena and is considered now one of the greatest live albums of all time. It did gain a lot of traction, uh, a bit of traction nationally, but it was huge in Detroit and Michigan, his native area. So at this point... He, was, he had a real strange imbalance with his popularity. He was huge in Detroit, selling out uh, 80,000 seats at the Pontiac, Michigan, uh, <laughs> making the jabroni Brian Blair humble. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Doing, doing him the old country way. But uh, outside of Michigan, he couldn't draw 1,000 people in Chicago. So it's kind of, uh, kind of akin to like Tragically Hip. Tragically Hip in Canada, can probably sell it at any venue. You go down to the States, and they got to play some local bar, right? This is a pretty common story with bands kind of 60s, 70s, before there were kind of nationally, like national radio or national television that was playing music, right? I mean, there yeah. were certainly kind of countrywide and worldwide hits, but yeah, like I, I remember also with Heart, um, they were from Seattle, recorded everything in Vancouver, had modest success there, but then blew up in Montreal, so... Had to specifically right. go to Montreal where they were a big deal, but not anywhere else for a period of time. So, I mean, remember, before the internet, before cable, right? Everything was still yeah. very regionally based uh, to a large extent. So uh, I can That's totally see that. Yeah, you, know, you can get airplay local in your local market. But if you don't get the national airplay or you don't get on with the Wolfman Jack, you're not going to make it big, <laughs> Or Casey Kasem. Or Casey Kasem, right. Uh so Bob Seger finally gained national recognition and superstardom in October of 76 with the release of the album Night Moves. Uh, many classic songs in this album, including Main Street and Rock and Roll Never Forgets. But the song that sent him to superstardom was the, the title track. And uh, the song we're going to talk about, Night Moves. Uh, he had a long career after this with many hits and was inducted into, the, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004. Seger said that this song semi-autobiographical in that... Uh, he used to, when he grew up, they had these big parties in grassy fields called grassers. Mm -hmm. uh, at these parties, people would get on the night moves. 
when he was 19, he was fooling around with this girl whose boyfriend was serving in the military. Uh, when the boyfriend came back, uh, Mrs. Uh, the, the girl ended up leaving him and married the, the military guy. And Seeger was kind of heartbroken about that. He so, said another inspiration for the... Sorry, go ahead. So he wrote a song about how they were doing it. That's yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he played it at her wedding, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Remember when I was doing you when he was over fighting? In Vietnam. The like, yeah. yeah. When he was fighting in Vietnam. Uh, another inspiration uh, came from the 1973 uh, American Graffiti, the film American Graffiti by George Lucas. The song clocks in at 525 for the album version and 320 for the single version, so kind of in between that four-minute sweet spot you guys talk about. Mm-hmm. And he said it took him six months to write the song, so it was a very personal song with him due to the uh, uh, personal references in it and the, uh, <laughs> the song about cheating on the, the guy in the military. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the B-side, there's 112 different versions of this. Uh, the B-side of uh, of a, the uh, the B-side of the record was uh, Ship of Fools, which is a song I'm not familiar with. There are quite a few that have Main Street as the B-side as well. I actually... Okay. I uh, do not yet own this one, so I have it is now on my want list. Yeah, I don't have the single. I do have uh, the Night Moves album, so I uh, bought it very recently, actually, at a, at a record sale. Um, the song was recorded in Toronto. Uh, it's the only song in the album with female backing vocals, and they were done by uh, three women named Laurel Ward, Rhonda Silver, and Shannon D. Williams. There it is, a group of uh, singers in Montreal that just happened to be in town. I guess they're hanging around the studio, so they got to put them to work. Good for them. Probably got a nice little paycheck and nothing else as the song has become popular for decades. Yep. So that's pretty much in the background. You want to jump into the lyrics? Uh, I do just a couple of quick things. It's featured in the film American Pop. It was also featured in the first season of The O.C. And uh, referenced in 30 Rock, one of my favorite sitcoms, uh, where Liz Lemon sings Working on My Night Cheese as she's eating a yeah. one-pound brick of cheddar cheese, and also appears in Grand Theft Auto V, so you can listen to this as you run over people in your car virtually. Lyrics. So the song is basically about banging. That's basically what, that's basically <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Uh, the term night moves refers to the maneuvers required to get your partner into a sexual situation. Uh, kind of talks about couples hooking up, uh, get their action with no strings attached, and it kind of, it's kind of inferring that the kids are new to the whole sex thing, not exactly sure what to do, but they're having lots of fun figuring it out. Uh, also, it's kind of a nostalgic song where the main character of the song is kind of looking back fondly at his youth and, and all the pussy he used to get before he <laughs> transitioned to the next phase of his life. Uh-huh. Yes. But, yeah. And like I said, a good buddy of mine, we used to always talk about this song when we were slapping the night moves on somebody. I was gonna, interesting, Barry. I did not know this about you, so... <laughs> That's right. We also, when Night Moves was too obvious when we're doing it in front of someone, we always we also used to use the NWO theme as well. Oh well, did you get here? Bam, bam, bam. Uh huh. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure that people were like, I don't know what you're talking about yeah. when you use that. It's not sounding like porno music. Yeah. At all, no. <laughs> uh, did you though, when you were talking about your Night Moves, lie about the year of your car to make it fit the song lyrics? <laughs> no, we did not, no, yeah. which was Bob Seger did, yes. Yes, he had yeah, a 1962 Chevy, which he changed to a 60 Chevy for the, uh, uh, just sounded easier in the song, so, yeah. yeah. So, so like I said before, some of the lyrics directly reference Seger's experience, including, uh, she's a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes, uh, that was the girl in the military, or the girl's boyfriend was in the military that he was fooling around with. And I mean, and let's, let's, let's be honest. Did he mean big dark eyes? 
Is that the big thing <laughs> no. that he's talking about? There's another yeah. part where he talks about points. Yes, which exactly. is points on her own. Yeah, which uh, is about boobs. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, and get another line out in the cornfields where the woods were heavy. Uh, again, that's the parties he's talking about in Ann, in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I guess he had these big parties out in the woods. And like you said, the 60 Chevy was actually 62, but the, you said the 1960 fit the line better, fit the song better. Uh, and also the line, he started humming a song from 1962. Uh, Seeger said that song he was referring to was uh, Be My Baby by the Ronettes. And that song was ironically released in 1963. So again, he changed another year to fit the song. <laughs> He maybe he knew the song in advance, right? He was getting into music and got an advanced copy. You never know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And on the site uh, songmeanings.com, there's a section where various people interpret the lyrics, and there's a lot of good stuff here. So I thought I'd share a couple. Oh yes, please. Uh, so the line they felt the lightning waited on the thunder. This person thinks that the lightning is the pleasurable feeling one has while they're having sex, and waiting on the thunder is waiting for the climax. <laughs> uh huh. And later, later in the song, I woke up last night to the sound of thunder. This person sees that as the guy woke up in a wet dream, thinking, <laughs> thinking about his childhood conquests and blew a load of sleep. <laughs> I also like the idea of like this guy like banging and being like, "Here comes the lightning." <laughs> That's right. He got the thunder. Now here comes yeah, the right. lightning. Doesn't wait. Oh yeah, the thunder does come first. I was gonna say yeah. 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 That's right. So. I, I really got a good kick out of that, so I figured I'd share that here. Um, there was actually one certain part of the song where he's like, ooh, and there's one lyric. I can't sing for beans, as you can tell, but uh, my buddy and I used to always say that was the part where he actually blew his load. So um, I said the line, autumn closing in, refers to the guy getting older and moving on to the next phase of his life. So that's, there's, the song has two parallels. One is the obvious, you know, getting your axe night moves and all that. And the other thing is it's kind of a guy moving from, looking at that phase of his life and looking towards the next phase of his life. Okay, but if you're going by seasons, so he's a teenager banging everybody, and then when that's done and he turns, what, to his 20s, he's in autumn? Like, I believe that's summer. Like, that's, Yeah, it's a short, uh, short uh, lifespan, I guess he's expecting. Yeah. Uh, the ending lyrics were written first, and uh, the, uh, the use of descriptive imagery was inspired by Chris Christopherson's Me and Bobby McGee. And so, oh, really? yeah, it's a okay. song that Seeker loved and motivated him as uh, when he was developing his writing style. So that's the only other piece of music that I have. Yeah, but sometimes mm-hmm. with, with songs and lyrics and things like that, like they say one thing, but they mean another and people can interpret it saying, oh, the, the tree means this and, and all this. But there's, there's no misinterpreting this. This is about getting action. That's all it's about. Well, and we'll get to it shortly. But if you were not 100 percent sure, wait till we get to the music video. Exactly. Let's get to uh, some reception for this one. This song was a huge hit for Bob Seger. It made him a household name and not just a big hat, a big act in the Pontiac, Michigan. It was uh, a top 10 hit, peaking at number four. Spent 21 weeks on the charts. And when it was number four, at March 12, 1977, you want to hear the rest of the top 10? Yes, I do. Here we go. Evergreen, their theme, uh, love theme from A Star Is Born by Barbara Streisand was number one. Uh, Fly Like an Eagle by the Steve Miller Band, number two. I Like Dreamin' by Kenny Nolan, a song I've never heard of. Of course, Night Moves. Number five was Blinded by the Light by Manfred's Man Earth Band. Number six is Dancing Queen, so we're in a bit of a disco stuff there. We're getting there. Yeah. Number seven, Torn Between Two Lovers by uh, Mary McGregor. Number eight, Year of the Cat by Al Stewart, which is a great tune, I think. I don't know if you like that song, but I do. Uh, 
Number nine, Rich Girl by Hall Notes, which I thought for sure was an 80s song. I had no idea that was out in the 70s. Uh, and you talked about when you did Guns N' Roses that you liked uh, that the album had swear words in it. Rich Girl uses the term bitch. So, 1976. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, and number 10, Go Your Own Way by Fleetwood Mac. You know, what a what a year to be alive, 1976. My goodness. It was time to be listening to the tunes on the radio. <laughs> Uh, it reached number 25 in Australia, 39 in New Zealand. It didn't chart in the UK originally, but it hit number 45 on the re-release in 1994. Um, Rolling Stone named uh, Night Moves the Song of the Year in 1977, and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame named it one of the 500 songs that shaped rock's history. It's the only one in Bob Seger's catalog to do so. Interesting, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I would have thought he would have had either a couple or maybe something else besides this. But, I mean, again, as a non-Bob Seeger fan, I don't know. Maybe Seeger fan. If you're a Seeger fan, again, hit us up at, at uh, superhitspodcast at gmail.com or at superhitscast on Twitter and tell us about your Bob Seeger love. Yeah. I, I, like, when I think of Bob Seeger, old-time rock and roll is the first one that comes to my mind, right? Same here. Absolutely. Yeah, Which, course. when I was a kid, and even probably until well into the '90s, never realized it was an '80s song. Which no, is right. which is stupid because, like, I thought it was maybe a song from the '60s. But then in the '60s, what's old time rock and roll? Seeing as the format had only been around for ten years, so that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was a so, dumb kid. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so let's move on to covers and samples, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. So like I said, short section, It was uh, as it was a very personal song, it was rarely covered. Uh, Garth Brooks and the Killers did sing it live at uh, live performances, but they never recorded it. Uh, according to secondhand songs, there is 17 versions of it. Never heard of any of them. But uh, there was one band called The Drifters, was a band I've heard of. They did it in 1982. Uh, others include Dick Hamilton and the Bluesmen and Carl. <laughs> the band's <laughs> name is Carl, nothing else. Just like the guy in Simpsons, I guess. Doesn't have a last name. Uh-huh. Couldn't find any samples. Uh, I found uh, what- I found one sample, which was basically from a 1976 YouTube mega mix. Which for some reason they do this all the time on Who Sampled. They're like, "That's a sample," and it's like, "That's a mashup or like a mega mix." <laughs> it's not a sample in another song. But anyways, yeah, yeah. And like you said, it was it featured on American Pop. And there's a couple other shows. Supernatural. Ray Donovan was on Family Guy one time. Uh, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, it was actually a Night Rider. An episode called Short Notice in 1983. Was Kit singing it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look that one up and see. Let's get to this music video. Yeah, this music video, here we go. So this song actually didn't have a music video originally. It was done in the 1970s. There wasn't many music videos at all then. If there ever was, it was basically the guy just singing the song live on stage, really, right? Mm-hmm. When I think of a 70s music video, I think of the Meatloaf uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light where he's there with the, the white shirt rolling around the gra- on the <laughs> stage, right? Uh-huh. There was an unofficial video made in 1977, and it aired on Saturday Night Live by a man by the name of Gary Weiss. I couldn't find this. I I, try, I didn't. I couldn't find it either. I didn't scour the internet, but I certainly couldn't find it. Um, but in 1994, Capitol decided they're going to release a Greatest Hits compilation, which I explained earlier. I actually drove picked it up myself because I liked the song so much. So they decided to uh, create an official music video to help promote the uh, Greatest Hits album. The basic story of the video is there's an older gentleman thinking back fondly to his youth. Uh, it takes place in an old drive-in movie theater. Uh, it's in the present day. It's abandoned. The parking lot's growing with grass, and there's tumbleweeds around and all that kind of stuff. So Bob Seger's there in the projection room playing guitar and singing the song. So we switch back and forth between that and flashbacks to when the drive, uh, drive-in was in full swing. 
It shows kids hanging out there, kids sneaking in by hiding in trucks or in trunks, excuse me, jumping fences and whatever they can do to get into the to the theater. It shows cars with the windows steamed up and feet in the air, people getting banged. Yeah, there's like there's a shot of like four little kids curled up under a blanket watching the movie all innocent, and then it's like fucking in the next scene. So <laughs> That's right. yeah. all you see is a car and windows are all fogged up. Do you see feet in the air? Bare feet, like yeah. sliding down the fogged window. Yeah. Yeah. So it just basically shows various couples getting lucky from the night moves. Uh, one guy is actually played by Matt LeBlanc. Who is Joey Tribbiani himself? Uh, he's checking out the dark haired beauty. Uh, <laughs> she's played. She's played by Daphne uh, Zonega. I can't pronounce it, but from from Melrose Place. I would suggest that when he's looking at her, he would say, "How you doing?" Huh? That's right. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Worlds collide. This is actually just before Friends hit it big. I think Friends was in '95 it started. So this this was just before Matt's big break. Yeah. Um, and then the video. I think the way they're trying to portray this is that he looks at her and she sees it and she thinks that uh, he's into him, but he's actually looking at someone behind her. Because later on you see Matt getting the night moves in in the car with another girl. Yeah, I was confused by this as well because this was kind of a... It was, you know, one of the... You're saying it, the video pops around a lot. This is one of the scenes that they kind of held on to for a few seconds so you can take it all in. And it's him just looking at her while she's buying popcorn or something. Yeah, that's right. And so I thought, okay, he's going for it with this lady. But then, yeah, later he's with clearly not her in a car. Yeah. So I'm not sure if it was she, uh, the, the black hair beauty misinterpreted what he was doing and he was looking at the other girl or he was into her, but he has a girlfriend and had to uh, meet up with his girlfriend. So he was just flirting with her as well. Uh, Matt LeBlanc did say he was drunk the entire time this video was made. <laughs> yes, he did. So he shared a, bo- a, shot, a bottle of whiskey with, I believe, Bob Seger. I think so, yeah. So, yeah. Good on him for that. Uh, throughout the video, you see a bunch of couples making out and banging. One is the guy played by uh, one of the guys is played by Johnny Galecki, who was famous. He played Rusty in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He's also Darlene's husband and Roseanne, but most famous for playing Leonard Hostetler. Uh, Leonard Hostetler on uh, Hostetler, Hostler on Big. He's Bang most Theory? famous for playing Leonard yes. on the Big Bang Theory uh-huh. of unknown last name. That's pretty much the video. It's it's uh, like I said, it shows. Uh, a modern day, what things were like back in the fifties and sixties. Very, I guess, American graffiti esque. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I watched the the video, the original video, and then just on a whim, I typed in "pop up video night moves" and oh, nice! Actually, got the uh, they did a pop up video. So back, if you, uh, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast, the the dozen or so of our listeners know. <laughs> that uh, pop-up video was a show from VH1 in like the late 90s and early 2000s where they would play music videos with little facts popping up throughout the video. Um, most of what you've covered was actually in the pop-up. The only other two thing, or actually the only one other thing that came up was uh, it took two days to shoot this video. So, which really? <laughs> well, you needed two? Yeah, definitely not as, as in as right. I guess you could have done it in 20... 20- by the time they had the bottle of scotch gone or the bottle of whiskey gone, they could have it done. <laughs> there is a rainstorm in the video, too, and everyone's scrambling around. Uh, other than that, the pop-up video talked a lot about, like, drive-thrus used to be a thing, and there's only this many left, and if it rains, they give you a refund. So they didn't talk too much about <laughs> the video itself. The actual video itself. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was entertaining, I think. All right, I'm going to ask you to rate this one. Okay. Start with the music video. What do you think? I gave it a six out of ten. Actually, I wrote down seven out of ten, but and thinking about it, I'm gonna go six. I mean, I, I, uh, I think it was good, but uh, 
it was entertaining and it shows a, a picture in time to when uh, uh, movie theaters were a big deal uh, or drive-in theaters. I've never been to a drive-in theater. I've always wanted to go to one, but uh, they're kind of beyond my time. I was, but uh, no, I, I think it was good. Uh, I've been to plenty of drive-in theaters. We used to have a good one in Winnipeg and there's still a few open here in the GTA that I've gone to in the last few years, especially during the pandemic. Uh, yeah. They made okay. a bit of a comeback, but uh, I'll give the video a 5 out of 10. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, it was well done, but pretty pedestrian for 1994. Yep. You know? For sure. Uh, all right. And how about the song? I love the song. I think it's one of the better rock songs made. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, a little, little nostalgic for me because, like I said, my, my friend and I from back in the, the mean streets of Bear Roberts really liked the song, and we used to reference it all the time. So for that reason alone, uh, I give it a 9 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 4. <laughs> Ooh, big, big contrast. <laughs> it just doesn't uh, – I don't know. There, It just doesn't excite me. I don't know what it is, but, you know, I think it sounds pretty par for the course for 70s rock and roll, but – uh, I don't know. There's nothing about it that really uh, that really catches me. And I've never been a big Bob Seger guy, and I don't know why. Maybe because I don't know. I, I don't know if this is actually the case. But when I think of Bob Seger, I think like American flags and stuff like that. And okay, maybe because uh, he was part of a big Ford campaign back in the '90s. Uh, like a rock, it was yeah, Chevy, wasn't it? Yeah, or Ford or Chevy. Yeah, and and, and yeah, I just don't. Uh, I don't know what it is about that, like Americana rock that doesn't uh, hit home for me. So uh, I'm going to give it a four, but um, still, you know what? You drove a long way to get that tape. And uh, so, you know, I commend you as a music fan for doing something big for the music that you love. There you go. So basically you're saying you're not a fan of the night moves. Uh, I might be a fan of the night moves. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this has a musical interpretation of it I also, when I hear Night Moves Think about Night Man from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Which I don't know if you're familiar with I'm not Okay, well I'll I'll tell you about it off the uh, off the podcast But anyone that's not familiar Can look up Night Man, It's Always Sunny And uh, anyways <laughs> I think that's about it Barry, do you want to uh, Do you want to plug your socials And your, and your other wonderful podcast Yep. So you can follow me if uh, I'm Barry at Barry R. Flynn on Twitter. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of content there to be quite honest with you, but uh, uh, feel free to follow me and uh, also follow the Some Weird Podcast at Some Weird Pod. It's a podcast to do with my sister. We deal with folklore, um, weird ailments, different things. Anything you think would be weird is the kind of things we co- we cover on that podcast, and it's a lot of fun. And you should check it out. And I believe most of you who are listening to this podcast already uh, came from another podcast that Barry and I do together called the Narbles and Broomheads podcast. But if you aren't uh, already listening to it and you are Canadian and in your 30s or 40s and like nostalgia, you will love our take on all of the episodes of the original Degrassi series. And we are in Next Generation now, but uh, there's also good Canadian flavor uh, with hosts from all across Canada talking about Degrassi every uh, single week. So check that out as well, Barry. I am positive, if you are willing, that you will be back on this uh, probably a number of times in the future, if you'd like. Well, anytime you want me back. I have a, like I said, my, my music knowledge certainly isn't as vast as yourself or some other people, but I I, I do like certain things. And like I said, the music I do like, I, I am half passionate about, so I can certainly talk about different things. And it's fun to do ones that you don't like too, really. Oh, it's probably the ones you get more fun with. Right? We're going to find more of those in the future as well, and I can't wait. Uh, so until next time, Superhits Podcast at gmail.com, at Superhitscast on Twitter, 
at Super Hits Podcast on Instagram. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Oh, 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 oh,